Um, and I see, you know, much of the higher ed offerings available to students now as pretty basic services that are not very differentiated from one another. However, I feel with the embrace of a human-centered design approach to education, then education shifts in its progression of value. So it hopefully shifts it out of that domain of a basic service more into something of higher value, an experience or if I think more aspirationally, a, a transformation, experiences that lead to a transformation. Oh, today is an exciting episode. We're going to be talking about what the future of conservation leadership education looks like. And today's guest's work aims at transforming the way science is experienced by broad audiences through the design of media and immersive learning experiences that ignite curiosity, encourage playful exploration, and lead to profound science learning. So in the design of learning experiences, he collaborates with cross-functional teams through planning and conducting research, ideation, creative prototyping, MVP testing, just to mention a few, and I am going to mention a few more, like forecasting, futures thinking, and speculative design, go-to-market strategy, and journey mapping. Wow. If you haven't heard that much in one statement of somebody's experience or job description, well, today's your day. Um, our guest today is Aaron Appleton. His experience stems from um, lead experience designer at AOU School of Wildlife Conservation. We are looking at science department chair at um, um, learning experience designer at New York City Department of Education. Um, he was a vice principal environment management and internal diplomacy teacher. And... Finally, he's the founder and creative di um, director of Ensigo. I hope I pronounced that right. Well, um, yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, maybe you can introduce yourself a bit further because I've already, you know, accolades upon accolades from your experience and what like your job description is. Uh, maybe you can tell us more about who Aaron Appleton is and how you joined AOU. Wonderful. Well, yeah, it's a pleasure to join you on this podcast, Savannah. Um, yeah, so my name is Aaron Appleton, and my role with ALU is as the lead experience designer, and specifically for our School of Wildlife Conservation. Right. Um, so yeah, I love doing uh, learning experience design stuff, especially for any field related to science or economics, uh, but I also <laughs> have a, a couple of side hustles. Um, I love to do some acting and then music stuff as well. So that's that's the one thing we can't find about you on the internet, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Maybe if, if you dig deep into Google. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how did you join ALU or how did you come to know of ALU? Um, I came to know ALU because I had been following the work of Africa Leadership Academy, the secondary right. school in South Africa for quite yeah. some time. Um, and... I had been watching ALU just kind of hoping, hoping, hoping that there would be any sort of science-related design position that popped up. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was in New York at the time, um, and I was working at the school uh, called Quest to Learn, uh, mm -hmm. which is a really unique school because it's the first school in the world um, to basically be designed entirely around the principles of game design. Um, okay. So my, my background is... 
you know, fairly focused on more innovative approaches to education, uh, things like game design at Quest to Learn or project-based learning. Um, so when I started hearing about ALU, I was very attracted to, you know, the more innovative approach that they were taking at the tertiary level for education. So, yeah. yep, as soon as, as soon as that position for School of Wildlife Conservation popped up, I just jumped on it. Right. So obviously we've gone through your um, experience in design and or, or your experience in being an experienced designer. Uh, and now you are part of AOU. So maybe you can tell us why design matters and what difference does a well-designed learning experience make? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, you know, I think for many people, taking a human-centered design approach to education is, right. you know, a fairly new phenomenon. Um, I'm very attracted to it because it really involves a lot of stakeholders, uh, whether it's the parents, the students, uh, potential employers, subject matter experts, facilitators themselves. It involves all of them in the process of design. Um, so then hopefully with their involvement and with careful reflection, careful research, ideation, uh, you, you've got your prototyping, you keep coming back to those stakeholders with, you get yeah. a really, really good educational experience for everyone involved by the end. Um, now, I love taking that more human-centered design approach to education because okay. I feel if, if you look at, you know, many of the current models to higher education uh, that are most common throughout the world today. Uh, my view is that much of education has been commoditized through more of an industrial style approach. Yeah. Um, and I see, you know, much of the higher ed offerings available to students now as pretty basic services that are not very differentiated from one another. However, I feel with the embrace of a human-centered design approach to education, then education shifts in its progression of value that basically starts from commodities, then goods, then services, then mm. experiences, then transformation. So it hopefully shifts it out of that domain of a basic service more into something of higher value, an experience, or if I think more aspirationally, a, a transformation, experiences that lead to a transformation. All right. So speaking so, of experience, um, wildlife conservation sorry, is one of the great opportunities in Africa amongst the seven grand challenges and seven great opportunities that ALU um, schools are centered around. So what, what is the ALU School of Wildlife Conservation and what role does it play? Yeah, so ALU School of Wildlife Conservation uh, was started back in 2016 when our founder, Fred Swanaker, um, he was having a, a great conversation uh, with the late Jennifer Oppenheimer about the importance of wildlife conservation uh, to the African continent, especially its importance as an economic sector. Okay. Um, so wildlife conservation, when a lot of people think of it, it's just more of like kind of a, a protectionist uh, type of standpoint. We just need to protect these animals, these uh, ecosystems. But I, I think our more unique selling point of our school is that we uh, incorporate more of a business focus alongside uh, wildlife conservation. So we want to view it as an economic sector that has tremendous potential on the African continent for being a growth sector. So yeah. if we can figure out ways that we can 
that students themselves can like figure out how they can apply more of a triple bottom line business model to solve some of the greatest challenges in wildlife conservation. That solves a lot of problems at once. It, it generates income for themselves and their local community, as well as uh, protects these local ecosystems. Okay, um, so within only a few months, um, the COVID-19 pandemic has caused rapid changes around the world and our hearts and prayers go to those who may be experiencing like major challenges due to this pandemic. But the student academic terms are still ongoing. How has the School of Wildlife Conservation rapidly transitioned its adaptive um, learning model? Gosh, yeah, we, we like many other schools around the world, we're like really, really had to uh, struggle very fast yeah. um, to, <laughs> to, to change from more of a in-person based learning model to being 100% online for yeah. the time being. Um, so how we see our learning journey when we think of learning experience design is basically split up in three main phases. Uh, okay. So the first one would be like knowledge acquisition. So this okay. is like the initial spark. So a student maybe has never been uh, uh, introduced to a new topic. Let's say it's something like environmental economics. Yeah. So how can we present that to them in a way that actually makes them interested in doing the hard legwork of diving deep into it, uh, immersing themselves in it and learning it? So that uh, typically we view is done through like really high production value media. Uh, mm -hmm. So whether it's great videos, some podcasts, some great articles or readings, um, but what can we put in front of students that will get them interested in this topic? Then the second phase um, we view as knowledge embedding. So they've had that initial spark. Now they're interested in say that topic of, of environmental economics. Um, so how can we create an immersive environment uh, that is as engaging as possible for the students to practice that new material and really deepen their understanding of it? So uh, before COVID-19, we viewed that as more of like the in-person experiences. So it could be anything from like a design challenge, Socratic seminar, debates, uh, projects that they're working on, game-based yeah. learning, uh, presentations. So stuff that's like really, really hands-on. Um, and then the third and final phase is more knowledge application. So they've had that spark, got interested in the material, they immersed themselves in it, practiced it, and now they're ready to take it out into the real world. Um, so that traditionally at ALU is done in the third term of every year, through an internship right. term, yeah. um, where they're taking that stuff in the real world. But it's not just internships. It can be things you know, like independent research projects, uh, entrepreneurial initiatives that the student may be starting. Right. Um, so what we've had to do during the time of COVID-19 is try and figure out, especially for that second phase, because phase one was already online, knowledge application. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how on earth do we create you know, an online environment uh, where the students can still like, interact with one another and it can still be fairly engaging? Um, Which sort of like touches on what we're going to talk about later, like how you've made it unique and engaging for the students as well, right? Mm -mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we ended up uh, experimenting with a whole bunch of different learning management systems, um, but we found the one that works best for us is, is one called Canvas. So it allows okay. us to do it, like all sorts of stuff from host 
hosting big group webinars where we're bringing in uh, experts from across the African continent on conservation to talk right. with our students uh, on the subject of this particular term, which is conservation area management, and have right. conversations with them. Uh, we're able to run polls in those. We're able to uh, basically have a group whiteboard where students can like write together or uh, ask questions of one another on it. Um, we're able to use a particular software where we can have breakout groups. Uh, okay. It's a so software embedded within the Canvas platform called Big Blue Button. So we can ask, the speaker can ask questions, they can break off for 10, 15 minutes, however long, have their discussion, then come back into the large group. And all of these are recorded and then posted back onto the platform that students can always revisit or check out in case they were unable to attend that. And then we also have it available on a mobile app. Um, right. And we, we've tried to make a variety of resources that students can pick and choose from, almost like a, a choose your own adventure to learning this particular topic mm. in conservation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's like a variety of videos for those that may have uh, more data access or higher bandwidth internet. And then we also have the uh, option of just doing readings. So it would take up as about as much data as a student logging onto their email and opening up an atta a PDF attachment. Um, so yeah. we're trying to yeah, get, get pretty creative in how we're able to deliver this material to students that may be in all types of different uh, environments as, as they're quarantining at home. Uh, maybe you can um, highlight further, if you can, um, how, how has the response been or the reaction to it been for the students? Yeah, I mean, at first, you, you know, it was just so sudden. Uh, we, yeah. we, had a we had a matter of days where uh, to figure out how we were going to get as many of our students as possible um, tickets back to their home countries uh, yeah. and settled in there <laughs> while, while at the same time uh, transitioning 100% of our learning experience to an online environment. Yeah. Um, so, so with that, I mean, yeah, very understandable. It was quite stressful for both students and staff. Um, so at first, uh, engagement rates were a bit lower than we thought, but every, every week that goes by, it's increasing more and more. And then we're trying to add more things to the platform, like a discussion board, um, mm -hmm. so students can interact with one another more. And then yeah. also, uh, we're building another thing into the platform where students can have their own private mini webinars if they want whether it's oh, okay. just with two students or 15 students, however many, and it's only visible to them. Um, and then they can also save it on the platform if they want, but all, again, only visible to those that are on the invite list. So we're trying to get creative with, with those types of things. And it is, yeah, it is growing engagement uh, slowly by, by each week that goes by. I think you've touched a bit on this, but uh, maybe you can expound further. How can one have a real experience of this conservation leadership um, education? So you've talked about application processes and deadlines, um, mm -hmm. conservation residency programs through video conferencing. So what are some of the other ways that, you know, I could gain a real experience from a cons conservation leadership education? Yeah, Um we're we're always trying to you know bring in as many speakers as possible so the students get just a wide range of 
uh, perspectives and just are exposed to like all the wisdom that's available from like these years and years of experience of folks in this field across the continent. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one unique thing about our program is just the massive amount of, of uh, guest speakers we're able to bring in, particularly through our, our conservationist in residence program that we're now transitioning online. Um, but we also really are working on um, trying to integrate a mentorship component into our curriculum. Yeah. Um, so we, we have uh, an older group of students. They're called the Conservation MBAs. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are students that tend to be, you know, about 10, 15 years or so into their careers, uh, usually at about the, the mid-level manager. Um, and they work for just a variety of different types of conservation organizations. So everything from, say, like the uh, NGO aspect of conservations, like a WWF, uh, to more of the private sector, like a Singita, um, and even the governmental sector, like uh, Tanzania National Parks. So you right. just get this wide range of experience from those students. And they come in as a part of their conservation MBA program to uh, Kigali once every four months because they have in-person week-long intensives. And at those times, we're really trying to be proactive about uh, designing activities for them and our undergraduate conservation students to be able to interact with one another so they yeah. can form uh, mentoring relationships. Um, and we've seen a, uh, like a lot of success with that where our students will you know, end up developing uh, like wonderful relationships with these CMBA students. They'll end up WhatsApping back and forth. And I've seen several cases of undergraduate students being able to get uh, internships uh, or other opportunities as a result of these mentoring relationships that they've formed with our CMBAs. Wow, okay. So um, from my understanding and just hearing you speak about um, your experiences um, working with ALU and the Wildlife Cons School of Wildlife Conservation. Your work aims at transforming the way science is experienced by broad audiences through design of new media and immersive learning experiences. So with that said, I could just dabble at your mind here, but what is the future of conservation leadership education looking like for you, maybe in like three to five years? Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to look very different uh, from organization to organization. I mean, our our approach, uh, just like the, the major theme of ALU, is to focus more on entrepreneurial leadership mm. within the wildlife conservation sector. Um, so our end goal is that, you know, especially for undergrads, by the time they graduate after, you know, three and a half, four years, um, yeah. that they would then go out and start really innovative conservation businesses. Uh, they've hopefully by this time they've found a unique problem uh, that's uh, an environmental problem that's being faced in the conservation sector. And yeah. then they've found a, a business solution to that problem that they want to work on enacting. So that's, that's really our long-term goal. And I think that's like what makes us really unique and sets us apart from most other conservation programs that tend to have uh, a major focus on the life sciences as opposed to ours that has a big focus on more of the leadership and entrepreneurship side of conservation. Mm, okay. So what advice would you give um, a budding or aspiring um, experienced designer? Um, yeah, I would... 
some advice I would give would be, yeah, really familiarize yourself with the human-centered design process. So this process is is used in a variety of industries for a variety of different types of products. Um, A good resource to look at would be IDEO. Uh, they are a design consultancy, and they work on the des- they use human centered design process uh, for the design of everything from like physical tech products uh, up to services, say for a hotel or a bank or something. Um, yeah. But but yeah, that is just a very very powerful process to be able to apply to the field of education. So familiarize yourself with that. Um, Look into resources like uh, there's a really good book called Understanding by Design. Um, Mm. And that is basically uh, talking about how to effectively design educational experiences by starting first with the big, big, big picture. So like what are the overarching uh, questions that kind of guide the the whole course uh, or the overarching themes and then working to more and more uh, microscopic details as you go along with the end basically being like, uh, like what is the final content that you're plugging in after you've mapped out your whole scope and sequence, uh, all of your assessments and things like that. All right. So I'd like you to just take a second and dig just a bit too deep, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I'd like to ask, what was the best advice that you've been given as you, you know, grew through your career and your entrepreneurial leadership journey? What is the best advice you were given? Hmm. That is a tricky question. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, um, well, my wife is uh, just extremely encouraging right. um, in, in my career and uh, one time, probably the, the most helpful thing is that we sat down. It was it was actually in Mauritius, um, right. and and we just like kind of talked through all my greatest passions uh, oh. as it, as it, <laughs> as it relates to like my career, uh, the different fields I'm interested in, different skills I think I have, and then we basically created like kind of this two paragraph narrative that would then like help to guide major career decisions along the way that are kind of informed mostly by like my passions, uh, skills I have, and uh, things like that. So just that little exercise by my wife has been, uh, yeah, really, really helpful. Wow, wow. (laughs) Thank you so much for being with us today, Aaron, Um, and taking the time as well to just, you know, um, give us more insight on what it's like to be um, an experienced designer. Your job description, I was reading it personally, and it's it's quite intense. I don't know if you feel that kind of, you know, heavy is a crown, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you feel that. But yeah, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me, Savannah. It's been a pleasure. All right, then. Welcome.